Hey, this is Mark. And this is Jay. We just want to thank you for tuning in to this episode of NerdCage Live. And be sure to tune in to our live show on YouTube every Thursday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If what you said is true, Mark Withers and the Nerd Cage could be dangerous. Hello and welcome. That's right. You're trapped in Nerd Cage Live. This ain't just a reaction show, but a debate show and a live discussion on everything that makes people like you and I tick. So thank you for joining us tonight. Please hit that like button and subscribe. I'm your co-host, Jay Sanji, coming to you live from Syracuse, New York. And always with me, the warrior from Wakanda, the fiend from Louisville, my man, Mark Withers. And of course, for our very first Kaiju look back today, we are happy to welcome Titan Goji and my man, Sean, from Shots of Japanese cinema. How's everybody doing today? Doing fantastic. <laughs> we are celebrating the 55th anniversary of Dai Studios Daimajin. And I've been chomping at the bit because someone on the screen right now, Mr. Mark Withers, never watched a kaiju flick before. And he took the time to watch it. So Mark, how did you feel about Daimajin? Well, I gotta say, it was not bad. I actually really enjoyed it. As most people know, I have not really ever watched a kaiju film before this, and it was a lot different than I expected it to be. Absolutely. Now, Davis, Sean, you guys are like the experts behind this movie. How do you guys feel about this movie amongst like other kaiju films? I'll go ahead and say that Daimajin is easily like one of the absolute best tokusatsu films not only to come out during the Showa period, but ever. Like everything from the soundtrack, the set design, the cast, characters, everything about Daimajin solidifies how phenomenal it was at the time. And this was also 1966, the same year Ultraman started airing on television. And Ultraman was also like a huge deal at the time. And the fact that Daie, the same company that created Gamera, as well as the Yokai Monsters trilogy, they were able to create something like Daimajin that, well, not as popular as Ultraman, of course, but is up to that same caliber, if not higher. I mean, that's pretty amazing. Sean, what you got, man? One of the great things about Daimajin is that it has a very simple, and to be fair, not exactly original narrative because let's face it like you know it's the type of narrative you've seen but the way that it's done and the style that it's done has such a unique quality to it compared to other tokusatsu films the titular uh i guess kaiju quote unquote is one of the most terrifying and coolest in any tokusatsu film period i mean daimajin himself is just just look at that design like that design you gotta understand, it's a, it's a statue, but there's so much, like, terror that that giant statue invokes. A lot of it being in the eyes, and it's just very creepy movements. And furthermore, the power that this god, basically, is capable of, even before he fully even wakes up, quote-unquote, in the movie, the score by Ifakube is outstanding, and the special effects are some of the best of any tokusatsu film period and i would say even today these effects look amazing especially the miniatures i mean the daimajin suit looks amazing and then the miniature quality just the detail in the miniatures and when they get destroyed it's like 
listen, I'm a Godzilla fan, but it puts some of the Godzilla films to shame in terms yes. of like the miniature detail. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'm glad you mentioned that because the one beauty of this film too is being a diehard Godzilla fan, we're so used to seeing giant monsters and like the military and army tanks and airplanes and this, this and that. We're in this movie with a feudal setting. Like they're trying to take down Daimajin with like chains and wheelbarrows of fire and like other methods being used to try to take down the monster per se. Not to mention something that it's very rare. Like Godzilla is like a big rubber suit. Godzilla doesn't like convey emotion really. But this suit, you see the look on the god's face and the eyes, man. The eyes yeah. just do everything. <laughs> That's the beauty of this movie is that this monster conveys emotion. And this came out of Die Davis, you have to admit this. Okay, listen, I'm not a Gamera fan. I'm not going to try to, like, poke shots at Gamera. But you know as well as anybody, the Gamera movies, even the first movie, they're goofy. I'll leave it oh, at yeah. that. They're goofy. This movie's yeah. not whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. Funny you mentioned Gamera because the first Gamera film came out a year before the first Daimajin film. And there were lots of production troubles surrounding Gamera that it's unbelievable that they were able to come up with Daimajin like almost right after that. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, and some of the uh, motifs you hear in the film are also present in The War of the Gargantuas, which also came out the same year. I just discovered this movie, I don't know, about a year and a half ago. I'm kind of new to it myself, but I've seen every single Godzilla movie. So 1991's Godzilla versus King Ghidorah uses the same Ifakube tracks in that movie. That's and right. now after watching this movie, I'm like pissed off now. Now this movie made me dislike 1991's Godzilla versus King Ghidorah even more because the music that Ifakube wrote for Daimajin works so much better in Daimajin than it does in Godzilla versus King Ghidorah. It's a dance. Oh, yeah. It totally fits the overall mood and atmosphere of yeah. Daimajin, not just the film, but the character of Daimajin himself. I love how every time like he's on screen, like when he's uh, finally woken up, you can just feel how powerful he is. Like you can feel the rage that's coming through his expression. Yes, especially when he like, does that? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I also, love those footsteps. Yes! Those are the most menacing footsteps I've ever heard in any kaiju flick. So, Mark, oh, yeah. I, I want to get your opinion, Mark. What were your favorite scenes and favorite parts throughout the movie? Well, honestly, like, for me, it wasn't so much Daimajin. It wasn't so much the monster himself. It was everybody else's reactions. It was everybody else's sort of impending fear, right? So in the beginning, you have, you know, the priestess that's sort of praying to Damajin, the villagers, they're definitely like under the impression that like, hey, if we don't do these things, then Damajin's gonna awaken and like, there's gonna be some kind of a wrath. There are others that think that Damajin's there to protect them. There's this sort of constant undertone of an impending doom almost, right? Yes. And to me, that creates like a mood, right? That exists throughout the film. There's this sort of buildup where you're expecting something incredible to happen, you know what I mean? And you're waiting for the big payoff. To me, that makes the movie much more than the actual action, which is still great. But yeah. I love the tension, the buildup to it, especially among like the non-believers, right? Like Samanosuke, 
believes the whole thing's a myth. He's just like, yeah, I don't believe in any of that stuff. And he kills <laughs> like all that stuff. And he like, he just Thank goes you. on like kind of just abusing people and stuff like that. And I think that his lack of faith kind of adds to your desire for him to get his, right? So you're just like, oh, I can't wait for this guy to like actually see what happens. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so yeah, so for me, that was, that was what makes the movie great. It's cool if we go into spoilers, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, the uh, movie's only uh, what fifty-five years yeah. old. So. Uh, I, I can never get that final kill like out of my head. Like the arm prop that they use for Daimajin. Yeah, you can tell it's a fake giant arm, but the way they like execute it, it feels almost seamless. And I love how he like picks him up, takes the like stake out of his forehead, and just drives it into him. Like, oh god, that's glorious. I, and then I he, like, that. And then he like turns around and looks at everybody. He's like, anybody else want to fuck with me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, come on, man. I know you got some specific scenes you want to dish out. I mean, that that scene when he kills Samanosuke is, like, permanently ingrained in my mind. And it's not even just the kill itself. It's the look he gives Samanosuke right before he stabs him. Just the pure hatred in his eyes. To go to your point earlier, Mark, another thing I like about this movie is it's got a very good human cast. I mean... Yes. The princess is a great character and, you know, how she's able, she's she's willing to sacrifice her own life just to save everyone, which is, you know, that's, right. that takes guts. The priestess is awesome. Yes. And Samanosuke is deliciously evil. He's like, he, like, that actor totally was eating up yeah. the role. He was totally into it. Also, I thought the kid was pretty good, too. Yes. Absolutely. You know, it's a very common trope in all kaiju films, whether it's Godzilla or Gamera, is that there's, you know, you get these children that are casted in the movie, and it's just like, oh, here we go. I never felt that way in this movie. Other than the final act, I really just love any scene where they're kneeling to the statue, and then, of course, the scene where the statue bleeds. Oh, yeah. That is some powerful mm. stuff, man. I, I just, oh, every time I just, I just love the somber environment that this movie portrays and just, I go on and on about this movie. I just love it that much. To me, this is up there with the original Godzilla 1954. It's that good amongst other kaiju films. Now, there's a fact that I'm ready for Sean to reveal. Mark, you're in for a treat right now. Sean, please tell us who was the man that portrayed Daimajin. Okay, so the suit actor in all three Daimajin movies are the same actor, and the actor is none other than Chikaro Hashimoto, who notably was a Japanese baseball player, but more internationally known for playing the main villain in Bruce Lee's Fist of Fury. Oh, wow. You know That's who I'm awesome. About. I do know who you're talking about. He's also acted in countless samurai movies, but like, watch Fist of Fury again and watch yeah. any scene that he's on screen and just look at the eyes mm -hmm. and you'll immediately be like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Got the most famous eyes in cinema history, probably. He not only stabbed Samonosuke, but he also fought Bruce Lee in a movie. Wow. Yeah, not many people can say that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, the next time fact. you're watching the Chinese Connection, AKA Fist of Fury, when you're watching Bruce Lee and his nunchucks fighting that guy with the samurai sword, just remember, that's Bruce Lee fighting Daimajin. Right. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> 
So we just want to touch lightly on the two sequels, The Return of Daimajin and Daimajin Strikes Again. First one's the best one, hands down. But the second one, I just feel like it was kind of cut, copy, and paste. By the way, there's no continuity between the three movies. It's just different feudal lords, different situations. But the second movie just felt like the same movie as the first one. But I will say it's a little bit more brutal execution this time through. But the third one I can appreciate because it was a different setting. It revolves around three kids journeying through the mountain. And then when Daimajin wakes up, he wakes up in the snowy mountain. Something we don't see in kaiju films that often is the snowy setting. So I really appreciate what the third movie did because it was different from the other two. That being said, the first one's still the best. Then I'd say the third, then the second. Davis, Sean, what do you guys got in the two sequels? I'm definitely with you on that, Jay. Second Daimotion film, I mean, I still really enjoy it. I like how brutal it is compared to the first film, but it does feel more so like a retread of the previous film. And I especially love the third Daimotion film, like especially on a visual standpoint. The sequels are perfectly fine, in my opinion. They're entertaining. The second one is definitely a retread. It's got an amazing third act, though. Yeah. It is, it is very kind of, oh, we've seen this before. Um, the third one, I do like that it does something more unique, but I still don't find the narrative as strong in that one, personally. Here's the thing about the third one. I love the aesthetic of it. It's just the narrative. I'm not as invested as I was, like, in the first movie, personally. So I think both sequels are perfectly watchable, but the first movie, easily, you can't compare, in my opinion. And real quick, I just want to say, at the time of this recording, the first movie is readily available on YouTube. Uh, the other two are not, and it's just a damn shame because the Blu-ray, I'm actually lucky enough to possess it, but the Blu-ray is sadly, like, out of print. It's a damn shame because I feel like more people need to see this. Not just, you know, fans of kaiju films, but I feel like uh, film fans in general should take a moment to watch it. I think it's only a matter of time before... You know, it gets another release, maybe Arrow Video. Yeah, I hope it does. <laughs> I just want more people to see it. Oh, totally, because when it comes to not just giant monster cinema, but Japanese special effects cinema in general, it's always Godzilla, Ultraman, Gamera. No one really talks about Daimajin. And it's a huge shame because, like I said before, the first Daimajin film is easily like one of the best of the best. Oh yeah, 100%. Davis and Sean, thank you very much for taking the time off to hang out with us to talk because you guys are like the kaiju experts and so we're really, really glad to have you guys on. So that being said, I want you guys to plug yourselves in. So Davis, go ahead. Once again, my name is Davis Madol, also known as Titan Goji. You can find me on uh, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I also have a Tee Public and Patreon if you wish to uh, support me through those means. I also have a podcast that I do on the side called the Tokyo Titan Cast, which Sean is a regular as well as Jay. So, um, yeah, that's all I got. Sean, where can people find you? I have a Twitter page. It's called Shot to Japanese Cinema. It's basically just nothing but a love letter to anything and everything Japanese cinema related. There also is a Facebook page, not as active on that one. And there's an Instagram page as well. Also for Shots of Japanese Cinema, the Twitter page, though, is the one that I'm the most active on. So give us a follow. We also take commissions. If there's a shot that you want shared, I will gladly share it and tag you in the post. And we are not limited to just live action movies. It's also anime as well. Mark, go ahead and tease the next look back. 
So next weekend, we are going to be focusing on the 40th anniversary of the first appearance of Jason, also known as Friday the 13th Part 2. This is one of my favorite horror movies. I am old enough to remember seeing it in the actual theater for the first time and being scared out of my wits. This is gonna be an awesome episode. We're gonna kick a bunch of facts out, so tune in. So that being said, before we go, we ask you to pretty please like, comment, subscribe, ring that bell, spread that shit like so So you, I say, from Louisville to Los Angeles to Dallas to Syracuse, to so all of our friends and fans around the world at Nerd Cage Live, as always, you heard it before, enjoy life. Stay safe and good night. Sayonara. Take it easy, y'all. Ooh, trying to get out of the nerd cage, are ya? Well, before you go, hit that subscribe button. And if you're really intrigued, ring that bell. Thank you for dropping by. Until next time, tell everyone you know about Nerd Cage Live! Ha 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 ha!